The text for uh, this morning's message will be in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, we'll be reading verse 7 through verse 14. Romans chapter 7, we know this is Paul writing to the church at Rome, right in the middle of uh, this wonderful book. There's much for us to learn if we would have open hearts and open ears this morning. So Romans chapter 7, verse 7 through 14 will be our focus. Romans 7, beginning in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence or evil desire. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you. We are thankful for this day, thankful for the opportunity to worship in your house. I ask now that you would remove the distractions from our minds, remove the things that might call for our attention other places, Lord, that we would now listen with open hearts, open minds, open ears to your word, Lord, and that you would Do the work in us that only you can, whether it be of repentance, whether it be of strengthening. Lord, we ask now that you would do that in us. Give me, I pray, the strength to say simply what needs to be said, nothing more and nothing less. We give you for the the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. So we're stepping back into our study of Romans. Right in the middle of Romans chapter 7. Romans 7 is a wonderful chapter. It's one of those pivotal chapters. Really important, uh, but sometimes forgotten. I mean, it's bookended by some huge chapters. You think of Romans, you're going to think of Romans 3, or probably Romans 6, or Romans 8. Romans 6 talks about baptism and this new life and yielding to Him and, and all this newness and choices that we have. And then you got chapter 8, probably one of the greatest in the whole Bible, as some would say, about the Holy Spirit and His working. These huge chapters. And right in between those is a unique chapter, chapter 7. Sometimes forgotten, but very important for us to, to spend some time with. Last time we were here, we we saw that it tells us of who we are in Christ. That we're dead to that old life. We are now alive in Him to serve in the newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. We we talked about our identity. Next week, we're going to come to one of Paul's most personal confessions. 
when he kind of bears his soul and tells how he too deals with sin. He's not a superhero like sometimes we think he is. He's a man just like every one of us. And chapter 7 does one more important thing. We have chapter 6 with the newness of life and yielding to Him and being a servant of His. We have Romans chapter 8 with the living in the Spirit and all that the Spirit will lead and do in our lives. Chapter 7 tells us about the obstacle that will keep us from living like that. There's going to be something that keeps us from living the new life. Something that keeps us from yielding to Him. Something that keeps us from living in the power of the Spirit. That obstacle, that enemy, is our own sinful flesh nature. It's one that we all have. It's one that is evident. It is the enemy within. That's the title of this morning's message, The Enemy Within. You know this. We know this. Just look around. Human nature hates rules. We don't like them. We try to find ways to bend them. We try to find ways to break them. To some people, the speed limit is merely a suggestion. It's a challenge to see how far we can go over without getting caught. 55, that's nice. As we accelerate well past that. You ever find yourself behind somebody on the freeway saying, why are you going so slow? And you look down and you're doing 70 or 75. And if somebody is in the fast lane doing 65, we get really mad. Worse if it's in the carpool lane, right? 65 on a freeway in SoCal, that's unheard of. It's either 20 or 80. There's no in between, right? Or what about in the grocery stores? The express checkout is 15 items or less. It's not 20, it's not 25. Learn how to count your items. Just because you want to get out of here quicker doesn't mean you can zip in and say, oh, I'm sorry, when you're up there at the the checkout. It's the rules, but we find ways to break them, right? Or some restaurants that have those trash cans, like six of them. Cafe Rio comes to mind. (laughs) Compost, recycle, food waste greenhouse, whatever it might be. So if, if you want to break that rule, I'll give that one to you because that's just a dumb rule. Unless you stand there for an hour trying to figure out where your cup goes or where your plate goes, and it goes all in whichever is open. We find ways to break rules, right? There's a million different ways we could show how human nature does not like rules. We try to be rid of them. We don't like to be told what to do, and we don't like to be told that we're wrong when we do break the rules. It's amazing to me, every time I've got a ticket, I won't say how many times that is, but there's the police departments love me. I'm a huge supporter financially. <laughs> every time I get a ticket, I get mad. You know what I pulled you over for, sir? Well, I, let me guess. I don't know. Why don't you tell me? I broke the rule, and now I'm getting punished for it. That's human nature, isn't it? We don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. And, beloved, that's why so many people reject the gospel. So many people reject being told of their sinful condition. The gospel tells us we need a Savior because we are sinners. I am guilty of my sin, the things that I have done, and I stand accountable for that. And the reaction of most is, wait, whoa, whoa, I'm a sinner? I need a Savior? 
I do wrong? No way. And they reject it and walk away. But yet that's something we all need to hear, right? We all need to hear the gospel. We all need to know of our standing before God. Even if we don't like it sometimes. Now, keep that in mind as we go along here, okay? Up to now, in in the book of Romans, Paul has spent a very considerable amount of time emphasizing grace. Grace. Romans is soaked with grace. Grace is how we are made right with God. We're not made right by following traditions. We're not made right by following the works of the law. We are justified or made righteous before God by grace through faith in Christ. Chapter 3 and verse 28 says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans 5 and verse 1 and 2. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's a beautiful foundational truth. We are saved by grace through faith. We worship by grace through faith. Everything that we relate to God in is by grace. And we, we also see that Paul knows how we could react to that. Well, if it's all grace, we could throw out the rules. If it's all grace, then the law doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want and it's all good. Well, we know that's not the case, and that's why we have chapter 6, and we talked about that. And in chapter 7, he digs in just a little deeper to that, okay? One more thing I would like you to consider before we get into this is you, you should never write the Bible off as a irrelevant book. This is written 2,000 years ago. The letter we're studying 2,000 years ago. But that doesn't mean it has nothing to say. In fact, it speaks crystal clear to us today. All of the Bible is relevant. All of the Bible is current. All of the Bible is needful today. Okay? And especially what he says here is needed and relevant today. Listen, over the past 50 or 60 years in mainstream popular evangelicalism, there's certain trends and teachings that have taken hold. One of those is called antinomianism. It's a big word. Maybe some of you heard it, maybe not. Basically translated anti-lawism. Anti-law. We don't need rules. We don't need regulations. And it's a response to the equal heresy of legalism. So you got legalism. You have to do this to be saved. It's Christ plus this. You have to dress like this. You have to talk like this. You have to live like this to be saved. There's an extreme over here. So the reaction to that is, hey, no rules. It's all grace. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live. It's all grace. I can do whatever I want. And it carries the idea that all of my sins, past, present, and future, are already forgiven. Even before I commit them, so repentance and all that, nah, I don't need to. Even going so far as to say that believers do not have any form of a sin nature at all. That is false. Okay? That is false. Now listen, make no mistake. When we believe in Jesus for salvation at first faith, we are saved, we are delivered from the eternal damnation of sin forever. Okay? 
All of my past sins, all of my present sins are forgiven. They are remitted. They are wiped away. But the Bible still speaks about confession and repentance after we are saved. I'm still going to mess up and I still need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. I have sinful tendencies that must be dealt with because we still have a sinful flesh nature. And Paul's going to deal with that. And that's the enemy within that we have to deal with. So let's start there in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Is the law sin? Is the Bible and all of its standard of living, is that sinful? Is that evil? Are the rules bad? What, is, what does Paul say? Certainly not. God forbid. In the Greek, no, 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 no. Because if the law was evil, then the lawgiver must be evil. We know that's not the case, right? We know that God is perfect and God is holy. So His law, not just the Ten Commandments, but all of this is absolutely perfect, infallible, inerrant as we say. His law is not sin. In fact, His law calls out sin, right? What does it say? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust... Except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. How else do we know what sin is? How do we know that it's wrong to lie? Thou shalt not bear false witness. How do we know that it's wrong to steal? Thou shalt not steal. How do we know that it's wrong to covet? Thou shalt not covet. It's the law that tells us what sin is. This is right. This is wrong. Don't do it. And how do we know that it's still wrong to do those things? Thou shalt not. It is the law, the Bible, that makes us and keeps us aware aware of what sin is. In fact, the law of God is His instruction. It's His guiding light. David says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. Because The law illuminates sin. David says, I'm keeping it here so I know what sin is and I don't go there. Is the law sin? No way. The law calls out sin. The law tells us what it is. The Word illuminates sin. So when we run into problems with the Word, it's not the Word that's the problem. The problem is with sin. Look at the first two words of verse 8. But sin, that's the problem, and it's the sin that's within us. The problem is not with God's Word. The problem is not with God's truth. The problem is with the sin within us. Listen, even though we have been born again, and even though we are a new creation in Christ, we still have this sinful flesh to deal with. And boy, is it sinful. Look down in in chapter 7, just a couple verses In verse 17, this is Paul speaking, and he's talking about the battle within the believer. He's talking about the the want to do right, and he finds himself doing the opposite. And here's what he says in verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth 
in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. There is sin that dwells in me. There is an enemy within us, an enemy within this flesh. It's called indwelling sin. We have a sin nature that is within this body. There are evil thoughts, evil tendencies, evil desires, evil actions that come from this sinful fleshly nature. And we have to be aware of this. We have to know that that is going to be a problem. If you think once you were saved, you're never going to have a problem with sin, you're wrong. Because we are. It's going to be a battle now. This flesh, and until we're rid of it, we're going to have that problem. That's why when we talk about glory, and we talk about glorification, and that day comes when I shed this old body, and I get my glorified body, that's why we talk about it with such hope and wonder, because once this flesh is gone, sin is gone, and I don't have to deal with it anymore. We live our lives through the filter of dealing with a sin nature, but there's going to come a day when I don't have to, when that pull is gone because my flesh is gone. But until then, we got to deal with it. And it can bring pain, it can bring destruction, it can take us away from God if we ignore it. So we have to be aware. Three things this morning that we need to know about our flesh. Okay? Number one is the flesh is rebellious. The flesh is rebellious. Verse 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, all manner of evil desire. What did he say in verse 7? I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. And sin, taking occasion by that commandment, now begins to produce in me all kinds of covetousness. Sin rebels against the truth. Our flesh rebels against the truth. Listen, there are things the Bible tells us to do. There are things the Bible tells us not to do. We hear the sermons. We hear the lessons. We read it for ourselves in our own study. And instead of obeying, what does our flesh do? Nope. I'm not going to do that. No way. In fact, we do the opposite. And we can become, as we hear the Word, we can become stubborn. We can become obstinate, rebellious, all because we hear a command from Scripture and our flesh rises up against it. You need to witness. Nope. Then you hear an opportunity in a conversation. Nope. Not going through that door. No way. Could be one of a hundred things, right? All these things we hear in the Scripture, we can rebel against it. We can... uh, Our flesh rises up to... To uh, in opposition to the truth. You know the tendencies of your own heart. I know the tendencies of my own heart. We can hear the truth and dig in. And the more that we hear the truth, the more that we dig in, just like a kid who will not eat their vegetables when they're told. Nope. Mm -mm -mm -mm. We do that with God. That's not God leading us. Oh, the Lord told me. No, He didn't. He told you what to do. 
We're doing the opposite because we're stubborn and rebellious and our flesh has got the best of us. It's our flesh rebelling against the truth of God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's weak. It trips us up. It's our flesh that gets in the way. I think all of us wants to have a closer relationship with God. All of us wants to have a more spirit-empowered life. What gets in the way? We do. My flesh. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. You have that new nature within you, that born-again spirit, and you also have your flesh nature, and those two go head-to-head all the time, don't they? The flesh... The flesh has desires that are against the Spirit, and the Spirit has desires that are against the flesh. They're contrary. And so there is a battle within us. And we need to know that. We need to be aware of that. We can't just say, oh, I'm good, I'm fine. I need to know that there is a propensity within me to fail. There is a rebellious streak within me. And there can be a tendency that when I read Scripture or I hear Scripture, my flesh is going to want to say, no way. Or it's going to try to trip me up in what I read. So the flesh is rebellious. Number two, the flesh is deceptive. The flesh nature is deceptive. Look in the end of verse 8 there. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Listen, we can go along in life thinking we're just fine. Yeah, I go to church so, so often, and I, you know, I try to read my Bible here and there, and I live a pretty good life. There's some people who are totally worse, just look at them. I'm pretty good. And we find comfort in thinking that all the decisions we make are right and all the things that we do are right. Um, We just kind of go along in that. And have you ever had the Bible hit you right between the eyes? Maybe it's by reading or maybe it's by a sermon. We're going along fine and then the Bible smacks us right in between the eyes and says, no, hold on, buddy. You're wrong. See, the perfect law of God can call us out and shatter all of the illusions that we have about ourselves. And our flesh does not want that. You know what our flesh wants? Our flesh wants wants to keep us deceived. He wants us to think, we're fine. You know, I do whatever I want, it's fine. I don't have to read my Bible. It's okay. I don't have to show up. I don't have to participate. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to witness. I don't have to live godly. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I don't need to change. They need to change. I mean, for heaven's sake, just look at them. They need to hear those sermons. Amen. Hope you're listening, brother. Because you really need this. But yet, it's us who need it. I need it. Our flesh wants to keep us deceived. 
Thank God His Word can push past that deception. Deception. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 4 says. For the Word of God is quick, alive. Alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Have you ever read the Scriptures and how did He know? He knows because His Word is alive and it speaks right to what I need, not only in my mind, but in my heart. Sometimes it's for strength. Sometimes it's for exhortation. And sometimes it's for conviction to say, Ryan, come on. You know better. This is what you need to do. Neither, continuing in Hebrews 4, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. There's nothing we can hide from God. There's no way that I can deceive God. He sees it. His Word will speak to it. And our flesh wants to keep us from that. You ever wonder why you find it so hard to read the Bible? You ever wonder why you can't find time to do that? You ever wonder why you can sit and look at Facebook for maybe an hour or Instagram for maybe an hour or YouTube for hours? Be careful, that's a black hole. You can look at those things for hours, but the minute you sit down to read the Holy Word of God, you're starting to nod off. That's your flesh. That's Satan. Because he knows what this can do for us. This will illumine us to our sin. It will strengthen. It will change us if we let it. But your flesh doesn't want that to happen. What did Paul say? Without the law, sin was dead. Without getting called out, it just kind of lies there dormant until God says, hey, you need to change this. And then what happens? The commandment comes, we read it, we hear it, sin revives, and oh man, I need to change. I see that I am wrong. Sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Man, it wants to get us off track. It wants to point us every other way but right to the Word of God. That's the flesh nature we all battle. We have to deal with that. The Word shines the light on the things that we try to keep hidden. You've got those areas, right? Nobody, but nobody better touch that. Nobody better come in and talk about that. That's my secrets. Those are my failings, whatever. We try to keep those things hidden. But you can't do that from God. Because the Word will come right in, shine a light on it, and show us our sin. And listen, each and every one of us have areas in our life that need to change, right? Nobody's perfect here. Perhaps maybe that's one of the first things we need to understand, not only about ourselves, but about each other. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it down. We all have areas where, I, where you and I battle our sinful flesh nature. And at times we're going to fall. At times we're going to get called out. And to think any different is going to set ourselves up for problems. There's, all, there, there's things in all of our lives that hinder us and trip us up. Things that our flesh wants to keep hidden. But I want you to know the intent of God in this, okay? Because sometimes we shy away from conviction. Sometimes the Word can be heavy when it's calling us out, but that's for a reason. What did it say in verse, the beginning of verse 10? And the commandment which was ordained to life. The Bible is given to give us life. 
And sometimes we need to know where we're missing out. Sometimes we need to know where we're wrong. What does verse 12 say? The law is holy, the commandment holy and just and good. The word and its conviction that it brings is meant to make us better. Yes, I had to hear that I was a sinner, that I was guilty, that I was bound for an eternal devil's hell. That was not easy news to hear, easy news to realize, right? But that message was for my better, wasn't it? Because right after that, the gospel told me there's one who came to save you. It's Jesus. The gospel is not a gospel without hell. The gospel is not a gospel without conviction. The gospel is not the gospel without guilt of man for his own sin. Oh, we can talk about Jesus on the cross all we want, but we have to tell why He went there. Scripture says He was sin for us. We need to talk about sin and its wages and its consequences. And yes, in my life, I still need to hear where I mess up. And when I do, it is for my better. It's not God smacking me down all the time. It's meant for my better. This commandment is ordained to life. The law is good and just and holy. It tells us how to be right with God, closer to Him, more like Him. And yes, as it shows us God in His holy nature, it also is going to show us our failings. Like we said before, that's something we desperately need to understand. It's vital that you know this principle, this last principle. Whether you're a member of His body and we've been serving His church for a long time, or maybe you're one who does not know Christ, here's what you need to know. The third thing, the flesh is sinful. This flesh is sinful. Okay? Verse 13. Was then that which is good made death unto me? Listen, is is the truth of the word meant to kill us? No. What does he say? God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin. Working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The truth of the word is not meant to kill us. No way. It is meant to show the severity of sin. Sin is deadly. Sin is damning to us. It's not some light thing that we can play around with like, yeah, it's no big deal. No. Sin has killed us eternally. And sin will destroy our lives. It will be detrimental in our walk. And the commandment, the truth of the commandment comes along to show you this is the truth. This is how bad sin is. So that sin might appear to be sin and it might be shown to be exceedingly sinful. Sometimes we put sins on a list, right? Like there's some things it's okay. okay. A white lie, meh. Adultery, no way. Stay away from that. Lying, it's okay. Aren't both commandments? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Equal. But we like to categorize sin. And the law comes along to say, no, it's all the same. 
Sin is exceedingly sinful. It's depraved. It's deadly. It is anti-God. And we need to know that. That is within me. I have that within me. Constantly trying to oppose the truth, which calls it out. So then I need to realize not every decision I make is going to be right. Not everything I do is automatically going to be right. The law is spiritual. I am carnal. And if I don't line up with the truth of God, then I'm wrong. And I don't go inventing theological beliefs to make that up. Well, that's all by grace. I can do what I want. If I don't line up with God's truth, I'm wrong. I am sinful. I need to repent. I need to get back in line. Listen, we have to know our own sin. We have to to know our capabilities. So much pain and destruction to self, so much pain and destruction to marriage and family and the church could be saved if we would understand this. We have some terrible capabilities within us still, even after we've been saved. Things that have to be held in check with the truth of the Word. Things that must be identified and repented of. An old song says this, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And left to ourselves, that's exactly what we'll do. That's why we need the Word daily. We should daily be spending time with God and His Word. Letting the truth show us. Man, let the Bible show you. You ever pray that? Show me where I'm wrong, Lord. Show me, because I, I want to know. Let it guide you. Let it shine its light in all areas of your life. You know, there might be some areas that you're a little hesitant to. We ought to just open ourselves up and say, Lord, speak to me. Show me, however you want. Wherever I need to change, p- Please. Ask God to show you where you fail, where sin might be. Listen, that might be hard at first if you haven't done it. It can be kind of scary, like, oh, what's he going to see? What's he going to say? But I think you'll find, as you do, it gets easier. And you'll come to the point, as I have in my life, I I want to know because I want it gone. I don't want anything standing between me and Him. What's that old song? Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Well, what's going to stand between is my flesh. So, Lord, get it out of the way. Now, one last thing to consider. Our flesh is rebellious. Our flesh is deceptive. Our flesh is sinful. But in all of this, never, ever forget grace. Don't forget grace. God gives us grace. Look, I want you to skip ahead to chapter 8 and verse 3. Look what it says there. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God's Word is perfect, our flesh fails, right? For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see that? 
My flesh fails the law, but Christ came so that I might fulfill the law when I walk in Him. God already knows our weakness. God already knows our sin. And Christ came for that. Not only to give us eternal salvation from the the consequences or the wages of sin, but to give us deliverance from its power in your life right here and right now. I might break a thou shalt not, but by grace I can be forgiven. And by the power of His Spirit, I can keep from doing that again as He works in me. The law comes, my sin, my flesh rebels against it, and the Spirit comes down to change my heart and to change my mind and to help me to live that out by His power. So now that the law, the righteousness of the law, might be fulfilled in us as we walk in the Spirit. God is helping me. God is showing me my sin. God is changing me to be more like Him. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll finish here. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. You know the Bible describes itself as a mirror, right? It talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13, I believe. It talks about being a glass. It talks about it here, mirror. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We look into the Word and we see the image of God, don't we? We see Him. And it's beautiful. And it's holy and it's perfect. And at the same time, as we look into the Word, we see our own reflection, don't we? And it's not as beautiful, is it? It's failing at times. Still plagued with sin. And the comparison is clear. I can see God's holiness and I can see my unrighteousness. But you'll find, as you keep on looking, and you keep on obeying, And you keep on studying. And you follow with all your heart. Your image begins to change. Bit by bit. Glory by glory. Step by step. As He works in you, your image begins to change to look like His. Isn't that what it says? We are beholding the glory of the Lord and are changed into the same image, the same reflection. That means I begin to look like God. My life begins to look like Christ. People begin to see His reflection in me. And they see that I'm doing my best to to live according to what the Bible says. And yeah, sometimes I might stumble, but I get back up and I I stay close to God as the Holy Spirit works in me. That's what He'll do for us. And that rebellious flesh nature begins to be pushed down, quieted, put in subjection as God changes us to be more and more like Him. That's what I want. I want to be like Him. 
I want to look into the Word, and there are times that we do this, right? We look into the Word and say, thank God, I've got this. I look at the verses for salvation, and I say, praise the Lord, you've given that to me. I am saved by His grace. I am right with God in that area. I look at the verses that talk about baptism and being part of His body. And by God's grace, my life is is right there. Some other areas, maybe not so much. But I want to, I want to look into the world, uh, to, to the Word, and see my image being changed to look like His. That flesh nature within me being pushed down farther and farther. But you have to look first, right? You have to know you need Him still. I still need Him. I still need His power. I still need His grace. And there is a battle within you, which we'll look at depth in next week. There's a battle going on within us, the spirit versus the flesh. And we have to have our eyes wide open to the truth that there is a sinful flesh nature within me that could cause a lot of problems if I don't handle it correctly. Yes, it's sinful, but it can be overcome by God. as He works in us to silence that enemy within. Sometimes we can go along not aware to our surroundings. We can go along not aware to even our own tendencies within us. And there's times we need to stop and take a good look within and say, listen, Lord, there are some some ways that I can fail, there are some things that I could step away in. Help me. Because it's going to be by His grace. It's going to be by His Spirit as He works in us to bring us where He needs to be. So I pray this morning even that we would take a look within our own hearts. Maybe the truth has illumined us or will illumine us to some, some areas we're not doing what we should in. Maybe it's strengthening us in some. Maybe it's just reminding us that I need to get on my knees before Him and cry out for strength and for help every day that I'm here. Whatever the need may be, we're going to have a verse of song here in just a, a few minutes, but I pray the Word has been helpful this morning, that it would help us to realize there's, there's a sin nature that needs to be dealt with. God is the one who will give us power over it. Let's pray. Father, I ask your blessing on this message. I ask that you would help our hearts and our minds to be open to this, Lord. We are so prone to fail. We are so weak at times, Lord. Our spirit might be willing, but there's times our flesh is very weak. Lord, help us to be reminded of that, that None of this is by my own power. None of this is by our own power or our own goodness. But it's you. As you work through us and you strengthen us and you guide us by grace and you change us and you sanctify us through your Spirit, Lord. I pray that we would always be humble and yielded to you, Lord, because there's so much a part of us that wants to do the opposite. I ask for your grace on each one here that you would give us strength over the sinful desires in our flesh. Over the sinful tendencies, Lord, that we would let the law 
Your perfect law shine its light in our hearts that we might see where we fail. Draw us closer to you. Help us to have repentant hearts where we fail. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.